Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 16 and 17 of The Maze Runner. So where we left off, Ben got resuscitated from the dead, apparently, and then they decided to kill him. The Medjacks, they put all this effort into saving the kid's life, and then they banished him into the maze with the banishment pole, which basically was a giant pole that they used to scudge him into the maze. (laughs) Oh God, it's comical. And I didn't really make a big point of it last week, but it's actually like a bunch of poles stuck together. I think the way I described it was like one giant pole, but no, it's a full on Lego construction. It's like that time when on Friends, they made the giant poking device like out of chopsticks that is bundled up all the chopsticks and made that giant pole that they poked ugly naked guy with to see if he was dead. It's exactly like that. And then not much else happened, honestly. It was super boring. He was just doing busy work around the glade. Like who gives a shit? And we start chapter 16 with him congratulating himself for actually working hard. He's like, oh, look at me working my butt off. And it's like, okay, everyone else is working as well, dude. Like, you want a pat on the back? And he's working under Zart, that guy called Zart. And apparently he smells like sour milk. And like, that doesn't get explained. We just, (laughs) it says Zart was the tall black haired kid who'd stood at the front of the pole during Ben's banishment capital B, and who for some odd reason smelled like sour milk. And that's all, but no elaboration on that. I, can we can we not circle back to that, please, James Dashner? What's with the smell of sour milk? What are you trying to say here? Is that just an odd bit of colour? Is he dirty or is it just because he's gardening all the time? He, he smells like sour milk? I don't understand. What a specific bit of detail to give us. You're not going to explain why his name is Zart, but you're going to tell us that he smells like sour milk. I... So anyway, he's planning shit and he's not enjoying it, but he likes it more than killing the pigs or whatever he did last time for Winston at the blood house. And Thomas being Thomas, he's like, you know what? Now's a good time to start asking some questions. And so he says, oh, hey, Zart. And the kid looked up at him and the kid had droopy eyes and a long face. Okay, what? Droopy eyes, long face, smells like sour milk. Not getting a good impression of Zart. He says, what do you want, Greeny? And Thomas says, how many keepers total are there? You know, and what are the job options? Just, you know, trying to act cash, trying to act cash, but asking very specific pointed questions. 
And Zart, he's all for a good chat, apparently, because he says, well, there's builders, there's sloppers, there's baggers, there's cooks, there's map makers, medjacks, track hoes, bloodhouses, and the runners, of course, all proper nouns. I'm sure you've picked up on that by now, but yeah, James Dashner loves a proper noun. And Zart, he's like, oh, I don't really know much else. I pretty much keep to myself and my own stuff. Even though he is a keeper and he just like was on the pole banishing Ben yesterday. So like clearly he's in the inner circle. All the keepers get together at the gathering or whatever to make all the decisions and Zart's there. But he's like, I don't know. Unless it's a zucchini, I'm not interested. And apparently most of the words were (laughs) self-explanatory. Most of them. But Thomas wondered about a couple and he's like, oh, what's a slopper? And apparently that's Chuck's job. Chuck is a slopper, but he never likes to talk about it. And so Zart says, that's what the shanks do that can't do nothing else. Clean toilets, clean the showers, clean the kitchen, clean up the blood house. Okay, so they're cleaners. I mean, you could have just said cleaners. You didn't have to specify every single thing that they clean, but okay. And now he's feeling sorry for Chuck. Oh, poor Chuck having to be a slopper. The kid tried so hard to be everyone's friend, but no one seemed to like him. (laughs) You don't like him. And he says, yeah, he was a little bit excitable and talked too much, but Thomas was glad enough to have him around. What? You're you're mean to him. You hate his presence. He drives you up the bloody wall. And one minute you hate him and next you're best friends and now you're glad to have him around. And Thomas says, what about the Trackos? What are they? I mean, we talked about this last week. Surely we talked about, surely he is a Traco. What is Zart if not a Traco? He says, they're the ones that take care of all the heavy stuff for the gardens, trenching and whatnot. Okay, so the gardens are divided into two different types of jobs. There's like the people that just plant shit and the people that dig up trenches. I'm sorry, can we not merge the two? Zart says, during off times, they do other stuff around the glade. Actually, a lot of gladers have more than one job. Anyone tell you that? And then listen to this. It says, Thomas ignored the question and moved on determined to get as many answers as possible. Oh, he hates being asked a question. Mr. Fucking 40 questions. He loves asking them, doesn't want to answer them. And he says, what about the baggers? I know they take care of dead people, but like, how often is that? Even though he just saw someone get executed last night, he's like, surely that can't happen that often. Zart says they're all creepy fellas. They act as guards and police. That's P-O-H-L-I-C-E. Sure, why not? I'm just happy that it's not a proper noun. Zart says, everyone just likes to call them baggers. Have fun that day, brother. And he snickered. And that was the first time Thomas had heard him do so. And there was something very likable about it. Okay, now he likes Zart because he was snickering. What's likable about a snicker? I thought snickers were actually really unlikable. And Thomas is like, oh, I want to ask more questions. I finally found someone that's answering my questions. But suddenly... Thomas didn't feel like talking anymore. What? For some reason, the girl had popped into his head again, out of the blue, and then thoughts of Ben and the dead griever, they all just disappeared. And so now he's just daydreaming about the coma girl. You know what? We're getting to the stage where I just, I really need her to wake up from her coma because we're dragging this coma story along, aren't we? And he keeps ruminating on her, but I'm gonna need to meet her properly. Let's wake the bitch up. Come on, James. She's probably the most interesting character and she's been bed bound for 12 chapters. So let's, yeah, let's get to stepping on that one. And then after doing half a day's hard work, he's exhausted. He says by the time mid-afternoon arrived, he was ready to collapse from exhaustion. 
All that bending over and crawling around on your knees in the dirt was the pits. And yet he thinks being a runner is going to be a walk in the park. And he actually thinks, runner, just let me be a runner. Does he not get how tiring that will be? Like he just saw old mate collapse in a heap after running out of the maze, just so parched. He couldn't speak properly for like 30 minutes. Well, I mean, he did go on and on and on. He actually talked quite a bit, but he was very parched but he thinks it's a bloody stroll. He thinks it's a Sunday stroll. And then again, he's thinking, oh, I know it's super weird that I want this so badly. I don't actually understand where the desire comes from, but I just know that I have this desire to be a runner. My desire to be a runner is just as strong as my desire to like know more about the girl and the coma. Again, James Dashner, just because you say it's absurd doesn't mean you can get away with not explaining it. So he's tired, he's sore, so he heads down to the kitchen, proper noun capital K, for a snack and some water. And he could have eaten a full-blown meal, despite having had lunch just two hours earlier. Mate, all you did was plant some seeds. I'm sorry, we even heard that the trackos do all of the main heavy lifting in the gardening department. Zart just plants seeds and you were just doing that as well. I mean, I don't want to knock, you know, a solid half a day's work. But he's acting like he's a traco. You're not a traco. And he's so hungry, he thinks, oh, even pig was starting to sound good again. Remember a couple of chapters ago where he swore he'd never eat pig again. Oh, he swore off pig for life. Now he's like, you know what? Take that back. I could go some bacon. So he sits down and eats an apple with Chuck and Newt. Newt, who's like one of the big wigs, is always hanging around with Chuck, the guy who's been there for one month. You know, the guy who was a greenie until Thomas showed up. What an odd little odd couple that is. Why are they always paired up? And so he sits down with him and he's starting to notice that Newt is pretty nervous because he's chewing his fingernails. And Chuck says, what's wrong with him? Like, whis- like stage whispering to Thomas, what's wrong with him? Looks like you did when you popped out of the box. And Thomas goes, I don't know. Why don't you go and ask him? They're sitting together, I'll remind you. And Newt is like, I can hear you. I can hear every bloody word you guys are saying. And he says, no wonder people hate sleeping next to you, Shanks. And Thomas is like, oh, he's like embarrassed because he's like, doesn't want Newt to think any poorly of him because apparently Newt was one of the few people in the glade he actually liked. Well, you like Zart. You found his snickering to be charming. You're in love with Chuck, even though you sort of hate him from time to time, but you're mostly in love with him. I think you like Albie. It's really just Gally who you hated. And that's because he had a big giant potato nose. And Chuck says to Newt, what's wrong with you? Like, no offense, but you look like clunk. And Newt's like, well, everything's fucking wrong now that you ask. The girl from the box, she keeps groaning and saying all kinds of weird stuff, but she won't wake up. The medjacks are doing their best to feed her, but she's eating less and less. Something's really bad about the whole bloody thing. And Thomas, he's like now feeling bad or he's realizing that he's worried about the girl. He's concerned for her welfare as if he knew her. Mate, you don't know her. You obviously did in your past life and your memory's been wiped. Like we figured all that out. But you need to just like detach yourself from that and just calm the fuck down, Thomas. And Newt goes, oh, shuck it. You wanna know what's really bothering me? Albie and Minnow, they should have come back hours ago. And he has a point, remember? Cause like when Minnow collapsed and Albie was like, oh, well, should we just like go in and, and check out the dead griever now? Minnow was like, nah, we've, we've got to wait. Uh, there's not enough time to get there and back. And now they've been gone for hours. So obviously something's gone wrong. 
none of them really think to send in a search party or anything. They're just like, oh, well, (laughs) we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And then we just, you know, leave that moment on a bit of mystery and Thomas goes back to gardening. Oh God, spare me. But while he's weeding, he's constantly looking over at the West door, looking for any sign of Albie and Minnow. And Newt, he'd apparently said that they should have been back by noon. That's enough time to, you know, go and get the dead griever, explore for an hour or two, then return. And so Thomas, he's like, well, shit, something's gone wrong. And apparently, well, apparently I say, but like, of course, Thomas asked Newt. I don't know why we're getting this in flashback, by the way. We were just in that scene with Newt. And then we cut to his gardening and just recalling the scene that just happened. So apparently Thomas had asked Newt why they didn't just go into the maze and look for them. You know, classic Thomas asking questions, but it's a bit of a fair question. And Newt, he's like, huh? His expression changes to outright horror. And he says that search parties were forbidden, <laughs> lest more people be lost. But Thomas thinks that there was no mistaking the fear that had crossed his face. Newt was terrified of the maze. And then it says, whatever had happened to him out there, maybe even related to his lingering ankle injury, had been truly awful. That's like a nice little tidbit for us. Like, oh, look, he's got an ankle injury. Probably happened in the maze. Some good character building. And then Thomas goes back to yanking weeds. And then that night's dinner proved to be a somber affair. And it had nothing to do with the food. So apparently fry pan, he's like a really good cook. Thomas was quickly learning that jokes about fry pan's cooking were just that, jokes. Everyone gobbled up his food and usually begged for more. Okay, good for fry pan, but can you all stop ragging on him now? And then after dinner, all the runners return at their normal time. And Thomas had grown more and more upset as he watched Newt run from door to door, proper noun to proper noun, as they entered the glade, not bothering to hide his panic. So Thomas is getting upset on Newt's behalf. He's a bit of an empath, isn't he? So Newt forced the runners that returned to go and get some of Frypan's hard-earned dinner, but he insisted on standing watch. And Thomas knew it wouldn't be long before the doors closed. And so Thomas... He goes and has a picnic. What, how often do these people eat? I swear we were just talking about dinner and now he's having a picnic, a post-dinner picnic? Surely not, surely not. Well, no, surely he is. He's having a picnic on the south side of the homestead with Chuck and Winston. And he'd only been able to take a few bites before he, you know, wanted to stop eating because he's so upset. I think maybe you're just not eating that much because you just had dinner, you're full. And he says, I can't stand sitting here while they're out there missing. I'm going to go over and watch the doors with Newt. And so Chuck was like, all right, well, I'll come with. So they join up with Newt, who's pacing up and down at the West door. And he's like, where are they? And Thomas again suggests, why don't we send out a search party? And Newt's like, oh, you're thick, mate. He's like, you are such an idiot. I already told you, no, don't say it again. It's 100% against the rules, especially with the bug and doors about to close. And like now I'm on Newt's side, you know, a search party earlier in the day could have been a good idea. I would have been open to it. But when the doors are about to close, like, yeah, nah, what are you thinking? Seems reasonable, right? But no, Thomas, he's persisting in disbelief at Newt's stubbornness. He's like, why? Why? Won't the grievers just get them if they stay out there? And it's like, you just saw Ben die yesterday. He got banished, the doors shut, and then he died. Like, obviously you can't be sending in a search party when the doors are about to close, dipshit. 
And Newt, he's getting fed up and I don't blame him. And he says, shut your hull, greenie. Not in bloody weeks since you've been here. You think I wouldn't risk my life in a second to save those lugs? <laughs> he says, you don't get it, Tommy. Going out there at night is begging for death. I mean, I don't know why he doesn't get it. Like someone just died last night. About, oh yeah, okay. He says, both of those shanks swore an oath just like I did, like we all did. You too, when you go to your first gathering and get chosen by a keeper, never go out at night, no matter what, never. And then Chuck says, Newt won't say it, so I will. If they're not back, it means they're dead. Minnow's too smart to get lost. Impossible. They're dead. And Thomas is like, what? Dead? He doesn't know how to react. He never even considered that to be a possibility. And yet he wants to desperately be a runner. (laughs) He wants to be in that maze no matter what. So then Newt says, the doors close in two minutes. How he knows this, I'm not too sure. Does he have a watch? Unclear. And so he starts walking away all hunched over and quiet. Like, okay, you could just wait out the last two minutes. And then the doors do start to close. There's all that rumbling and crunching and stone against stone. But then he sees a flicker of movement. Something stirred inside the maze down the long corridor in front of him. Two forms took shape stumbling along the alley towards the door. It's Minnow and Albie. He doesn't realise it right away. He thinks it's a griever. He doesn't know what it is. And then he's like, oh, wait a minute. That could be Minnow and Albie. Like, yeah, no fucking shit. That's who you were standing watch for. Oh my goodness. So Minnow is running, dragging Albie behind him, like with his arm over his shoulder. And Minnow's shouting out, they got him. They got him. And so Thomas, he's like, oh shit, Newt, come back. This is why you don't leave two minutes before the doors shut. And so Newt, he starts running back which, you know, is hard for him because he has a limp because he hurt his ankle, maybe in the maze. We'll find out sooner or later. But then Albie slips out of Minnow's clutches and falls to the ground. And Minnow is trying desperately to get him back on his feet. But then he gives up and starts to drag the boy across the stone floor by the arms. And they're still a hundred feet away. That's right, a hundred feet away. Not 100 feet away, they're a hundred feet away. Which is just bad grammar, isn't it? And the doors are still shutting, so they're never going to make it. If I were Minnow, I would have just ditched Albie and just ran for the door. That's my truth and I'm speaking it. But he's a better man than me, so he's still hobbling along trying to carry Albie. And so apparently there's only seconds left until the door was shut completely. They had no chance of making it in time. Absolutely no chance at all. And then Minnow stumbles, he falls to the ground. Time's running out, they're not going to make it. And then Thomas heard Newt scream from behind him saying, don't do it, Tommy, don't you bloody do it. And Tommy's like, maybe I will do it. He's just been told. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. That, first of all, it's, you know, a really big offense. It's the number one rule. Don't go into the maze. Second of all, Ben died last night. Third of all, how do you think you can help? Like if there was still a bit more room with the doors shutting and they were a bit closer, you could, you could, you could run in, help carry Albie and run back out. Like that I'd be okay with, but the doors are shutting in two seconds and they're already too far away. So like running into the maze isn't going to help at all. You're not going to solve anything, but he does it. So (laughs) Thomas is an idiot. It says Thomas knew he had no choice. He moved forward. He squeezed past the connecting rods at the last second and stepped into the maze. At the last second. So yeah, like what impact do you think you will have? And the wall slammed shut behind him. The echo of its boom bouncing off the ivy covered stone like mad laughter. And that's the end of the chapter. Oh, he had no choice. He had no choice. He had to. No, you didn't, Thomas. Stupid Thomas. Anyway, a bit exciting though. Can't be too mad at him because it is progressing the plot. Thank God. So we start chapter 17 with him being like, whoopsie daisy, what have I done? He was filled with terror at what the consequences might be and just disbelief at what he had just done. And so he runs over to Minnow and Albie who are in a bad state. Albie looked like a piece of shit. His clothes were ripped. His arms were covered in cuts and bruises. And Thomas is like, oh, had Albie been attacked by a griever? No fucking shit, Thomas. Like what are you... What do you think's happening here? You don't know much, but you know there's grievers in a maze and that they attack people. Like, that's what you've been able to find out from the questions that have been getting answered. That's what you know when he's like, huh? Could he really have been attacked by a griever? Of course. And Minnow says, Greeny, if you think that was brave coming out here, listen up. You're the shuckiest shuck face shuck that ever. Sh- <laughs> God, this sounds like that. How much could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood type of thing. You're the shuckiest shuck face shuck that ever shucked. You're such a shuck face, you big shuck. I don't shuckin' know why you're so shuckin' stupid. He says, you're just as good as dead, just like us, you big shucky a shuck shuck. And now Thomas, at getting called a shucky shuck 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 face, he's getting all, like, angry. Thomas felt his face heat up. He'd expected at least a little gratitude. Gratitude for what? You haven't done anything yet. You've put your life at risk, but you haven't helped them. Have you rescued them? No. You're just keeping them company before they die. He goes, I just couldn't sit there and leave you guys out here. 
And Minnow's like, what, what good do you think you'll be doing for us right now? Like, you broke the number one rule, whatever. Like, just kill yourself then, mate. And Thomas is so annoyed. He felt like kicking him in the face. And he's like, well, you're welcome. I was just trying to help. You're welcome. You haven't done anything. And so then Thomas trying to, you know, change the subject. He's like, all right, well, what happened? He's like, we may as well make small talk. And Minnow says, I don't want to talk about it. Because Minnow's pretty sure that he's going to die in like 10 to 15 minutes. So he's understandably a bit upset. He says, let's just say the Grievers can play dead really well. So that's a nice little twist. So the Griever was just playing dead. Not too shabby tactics from the Grievers. And so Thomas says, so was he bitten, stung, whatever? Is he going through the changing? And Minnow's just like, oh my God, dude, we're, we're all going to die. Like, does it really matter? And Minnow says, you've got a lot to learn. And Thomas is like, oh, I know I've got a lot to learn. That's why I'm asking so many questions. <laughs> he doesn't realize that he's about to die, does he? And Thomas, just after having chucked a hissy fit about asking questions, he asks another question and he says, is he going to die? And Minnow's like, yeah, well, since we didn't make it back before sunset, probably could be dead in an hour. I don't know how long it takes if you don't get the serum. Of course, we'll be dead too. So don't get too upset. We'll all be nice and dead soon. And Thomas is like, what? He's unable to accept it. He goes, we're going to die. You're telling me we have no chance? As if. And Minnow says, yeah, we have no chance. And it says, Thomas was annoyed at Minnow's constant negativity. Okay, you know, I think it's kind of understandable that he would be a bit negative in this situation. Old mate's just been stung by a griever. They're locked inside the maze overnight, which is notoriously a death trap. Yeah, he's gonna be a bit negative. What do you want from him? And Thomas says, well, we'll be able to take him, right? Like, what about Ben and Gally? Those people were stung and they survived. And Minnow's like, oh my God, you are so dumb. You were dumber than cow clunk. Didn't you hear me? They made it, ma- <laughs> they made it back before sunset, you dong. <laughs> dong. Made it back and got the serum. That's a proper noun, capital S, by the way. All of them. And Thomas goes, well, I thought the grievers only came out at night. So yeah, we're back to 20 questions. And he goes, well, you're wrong, Shank. They always come out at night, but that doesn't mean they never show up during the day. And like, yeah, clearly, because one was just there today. Albie just got stung in the day. But Thomas is just still optimistic and positive. He's not giving in to Minnow's hopelessness just yet. He says, has anyone ever been caught outside the walls at night and lived through it? And Minnow says, no, never. And Thomas goes, hmm, well, how many have died then? And he's like, oh my God, at least 12. Like, haven't you seen the graveyard? And he goes, yeah, I have actually. And then he thinks, oh, so that's how they all died. Like, fuck me, this guy's slow. And Mino just says, and they're just the ones we found. There are more bodies that never showed up. That freaking graveyard's back in the woods for a reason. Nothing kills happy time more than being reminded of your slaughtered friends every day. And Thomas is like, oh, you're being so negative. And Minnow's like, well, let's just grab Albie's body. He's not dead yet, but let's grab his body and drag him to the front door just so they've got a body that's easy to find in the morning. And Thomas is like, oh, that's morbid. He's like, oh, how can this all be happening? Like, cheer up. And Minnow says, just quit your bitching. You should have followed the rules and stayed inside. Now, come on, let's grab his body and drop it off at the doorway. And Thomas is like, well, this is a good enough opportunity to ask more questions. 
and he says, where was he bitten? And Minnow, he's, uh, he's at the end of his bloody rope, but he's still answering. He says, they don't freaking bite you, they prick you, which is a very important distinction to make, apparently. And he says, and no, you can't see it. There would be dozens all over his body. And for some reason, Thomas thought the word prick sounded a lot worse than bite. And he says, prick, prick you? What does that mean? Oh my goodness. He says, dude, you just have to see them to know what I'm talking about. And Thomas says, well, why didn't they prick you? And he goes, well, maybe they did. I am sick of Thomas's questions. I'm absolutely sick of it. Somebody get out the banishing pole because I'm ready to banish him from my life. Mino says, yeah, it was just the one that got Albie, but I'm sure a bunch of them will be back and ready to finish us off with their needles. And Thomas, he's like, needles? And it's like, oh my God, yes, needles. The things that prick. What we were just talking about, the pricking. And so then Thomas is looking at the walls because they're covered in vines. And he's thinking, okay, how about we just climb the vines to climb the wall and we just jump over the wall? And Minnow's like, oh my God, Greeny, you think we haven't tried that? We haven't thought about that? You're a freaking idiot. And optimistic Thomas, he's like, well, I'm just trying to help man man, why didn't you quit moping at every word I say and talk to me? Like, okay, he has been talking to you quite a bit. He's answered every single one of your dumb questions. If I were Minnow and I was pretty sure I was going to die tonight, I'd be like, okay, Thomas, like, you know what? You go that way. I'll go my way. There's no reason for us to have to interact any further. Like I bid you adieu. Good night and good luck. But Minnow's actually been really gracious answering all his freaking questions. And now Thomas is calling him a moper. Like, yeah, he's, he's afraid he's going to die. Like, oh my God, heaven forbid. And Minnow says, you don't understand, shuck face. You don't know anything and you're just making it worse by trying to have hope. We're dead, you hear me? Dead. You know, all this chat, it sort of does de-escalate things when they call each other shuck face and dong and man. Sort of takes you out of the heightened action, doesn't it? And Minnow's like grabbed Thomas by the chest, well, by his shirt. And then he realizes what he's done and that he's been a bit aggro. And he goes, oh man, I've never been this scared before, dude. Not like this. And Thomas is about to say something, probably another question, but then he hears the noise. It came from deep within the maze, a low haunting sound, a constant whirring that had a metallic ring every few seconds, like sharp knives rubbing against each other. It's kind of eerie, isn't it? And then there's these little clicks It's like the sound of long fingernails tapping against glass. And then something sounded like the clanking of chains. Okay, I'm terrified. This is a shit book, but oh my God, I'm I'm hooked. (laughs) I'm hooked. That really got me that description. And Thomas's small amount of courage started to slip away. And Minnow says, we have to split up. It's our only chance. Just keep moving. Don't stop moving. And then he turns and he runs away from him. And that's the end of the chapter. So he did say, you know what? Good night and good luck. I bid you adieu. Deuces. And I don't know if he actually thinks that splitting up will improve their chances or if he just thinks, I don't want to have to deal with you, Thomas. I'm done. Because it does seem counterintuitive to split up. Like, don't they say in a horror movie or a horror story, you never split up? Like, that's rule numero uno. But he's like, you know what? Let's split up. And I bet he's thinking, if the Gravers attack Thomas, that'll slow them down and I might be able to get off Scott Frey. So I'm on Minnow's side for that one. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter. I'll catch up with you guys next week for what looks to be a very exciting couple of chapters. We're in the maze, baby. Whoop, 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 whoop.
Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.